Yeah, thank you for coming. You had choices, and you uh, and you chose you chose this. Um, as I was thinking about our session together, um, I was thinking about the critical nature of the work that you do as as uh, high school teachers, and and many of you, I think, are Bible teachers. Um, I continue to be uh, stupefied by the Barna research. If you're not familiar with it. 2011, um, they researched kids that grew up in church, and when they finished high school, 59% of them uh, headed for the exits. Um, in 2019, they ran that same test, and the number catapulted to um, 63%. And so now, um, They've just done this again in 2022, and the number is now 67%. These are, these are startling figures, and as I get a chance to travel around the country and speak to pastors, I challenge them about this. I said, when you stand up to preach before your congregation, do you look out at the young people and say to yourself, two out of three of these kids are on their way out the door? This is clearly not sustainable. And so I think of you, and I think of uh, the nature of the work that you do and want to thank you. Uh, my name is Paul Caminiti. I'm one of the co-founders of the Institute for Bible Reading. We're an action-oriented think tank, and our mission is to change the way the world reads the Bible. I think that'll be somewhat self-evident to you as you listen today. And when we talk about changes, and you'll see this through the presentation, we're talking about changing the format of the modern Bible. So we're going to change the hardware. And we're also talking about changing practices around the Bible. So that's a switch in the software. And again, I think you'll see this as, as we go along. So five years ago, um, we released into the world a reading Bible. It comes in six volumes. I think each of you uh, that have come in has a copy of one of the volumes. This is Messiah, and we'll introduce more of those as we, uh, as we go along. But today, um, we're releasing into the world a learning system for schools based on Immerse or surrounding Immerse. And I'm very excited to be doing that today. And by the way, all of the resources that you will find on this website are free to you and uh, will, be, will, will be accessible to you. Um, before there was a learning system for schools, there were a number of uh, teachers who uh, took Immerse and they created their own learning systems around this. They weren't ready to wait. And I consider them to be um, friends of mine and pioneers in the truest sense. And so we invited them onto our product development team. Uh, what would a, somebody like me know about that? And, and so we've, we've had um, an intense, but really, really good process. And so I want to introduce Jordan Barrett. I guess these guys have already been introduced. And uh, by the way, Jim Voss, who is sitting here as well, Jim was another early adopter at the middle school level. And we actually do think that there's application for middle schools as well. So thank you again for coming. We're going to start by showing um, a video from the, 
from the Immerse for School site, and then uh, we'll, we'll keep going. And so here we go. I've been doing this for a long time. And in the course of even just 10 years, I've seen a transformation take place in the classroom amongst teenagers, whereas I could assume a certain benchmark maybe when kids started uh, in 2008, 9, 10, that I just can't make that assumption anymore. I do have students who I can't assume know much of the Bible or who at least have large parts of the Bible that they have never read before. We've got to get back to the basics, which is reading God's Word and discussing God's Word. In Christian education, we have a platform to do that, typically called Bible class. In a one-semester survey-type class, I, the reality was I, I felt like I was giving them a lot of information or a lot of material to think about uh, without actually having them read the words of the Bible themselves. We desire for students to develop skills and tools and all kinds of things they'll bring out of the classroom when they're finished. But if they don't come out of the classroom with a deeper love for scripture, then I feel like I failed them as a teacher. Before Immerse, we're reading words about the words and not the words way too often. Immerse for Schools is, is taking a product and a concept that we developed primarily for churches. And the concept was giving people um, a reading Bible. We took all of the modern additives of chapter numbers, verse numbers, section headings, footnotes, etc. And we did away with those in this edition to just provide a clean reading text, single column that is designed to just get you immersed in the text. It doesn't have anything telling you hey, you read a whole chapter, it's time to stop. It's just uh, built for at-length reading and, and getting immersed in the stories and, and the literature. And then the second kind of pillar in the immerse system, if you will, or the immerse experience, is to have people read in community. And we're inviting people to come back and experience the Bible in a way that it was originally created. The Bible is a communal transformation book. And so... Now we're able to bring that to young people. We've tried it, we've sampled it, we've tested it. And um, young people, frankly, have been over the moon for the experience. So I'm a big reader. Like I read like pretty much anything I can get my hands on. And so with that, I liked it because it's more of like a storybook format because I could just read through it and I could read larger chunks and not have to feel like I was slowed down by chapter whatever and verses, all these different verses. So I could just enjoy it like how it's supposed to be in like longer sections, which I really, really appreciated. Reading word for word, page by page, whole books together or whole letters in the New Testament does something to the reader that previous methods that we've had or tried just doesn't and, it, and they want it. They need it and, and it's, it's shaping them in a way that uh, we haven't seen before. We are actually reading through books of the Bible together and not just doing kind of a flyby surface level survey of certain books, but they're actually making their way through Genesis or making their way through the Gospel of Matthew. And that's been hugely rewarding for me as a teacher to see their enthusiasm um, 
really, really come alive from actually reading the words themselves of Scripture. This material is so profoundly basic and so profoundly simple and that the, the, the goal is to get back to reading the Bible. That was it. And I just, it was a breath of fresh air. It, it rejuvenated me and my hope, quite honestly. Being able to read the Bible in big chunks and diving into it and just learning so many things about the Bible and then talking about it, that really has impacted me. I, I had to scrap a lot of my assumptions about lecturing and teaching and giving concepts and just let the Bible as it's being read be instructive on its own and it was a little bit of a I had to trust that process and, and entrust it to the students and it ended up being um, one of the best parts of using this resource because the students themselves then with the questions immersed provided began to teach each other the stuff that I couldn't have anticipated they needed to know. There are a lot of things that get brought up that I wouldn't normally think about and we can all just share our unique perspectives and I think that really helps to give a broader knowledge of what we're learning about. Usually I'm a pretty independent person who likes to think through things by myself but being able to do this with my classmates and with my teacher um, it was it was really helpful because when I wouldn't understand something, then another classmate might be able to help me out in that area, and I could do the same for them. One of the best overall results of this, uh, this resource is that at the end of the semester, almost without fail, a large number of my students will say, my favorite part was when my friends helped me understand something, because not everybody understands something. Not everybody knew the answer to that question, but somebody did, and if we didn't, we could go ask the teacher, but most of the times, their friends themselves we're instructing them, so I could never produce that. As teachers who are in the classroom every day, we've partnered with the Institute for Bible Reading to create Immerse for Schools. Immerse for Schools is willing to do the heavy lifting. They are coming to teachers all over the world and saying, we have resources for you. We've thought this through. We're trying to help teachers in other contexts uh, have a starting point where they can engage with classroom discussions. They can have prompts or figure out the issues they're going to encounter in class. They will have access to some uh, baseline assessments and activities that they can do in the classroom. They need that extra step. They need that extra help with how do I assess this? Where are the resources? Immerse for Schools put it all in one spot. The goal of Immerse for Schools is not to prescribe something exactly for each and every lesson plan for every day. There still will be room for the teacher's personality, unique teaching styles, but we're hoping that this will be more of a, a guide, that it will be helpful for you as you are wanting to read through whole books of, of Scripture, whether in the Old or New Testament. When students finish reading the New Testament, they can't believe they read the entire New Testament. Having the Bible in this format for students and having them read through it together has, I think, um, allowed them to make um, that, that transference from just head to heart because it's not just intellectual, 
one student in particular in the first first semester I taught it came to the end of the New Testament and walked into my classroom after finishing Revelation and looked at me and said, I'm, I'm really sad, Mr. Smith. And I said, well, why? And she said, it's over. I said, what do you mean it's over? And she's like, I just finished Revelation and it's, it's over and I feel sad. And I said, well, why would you be sad? It's, you got to finish it. You finished the whole New Testament. You should be happy. And she said, yeah, but I didn't want it to stop. I, I loved it so much for the first time that I didn't want it to stop. When we encounter the Word of God, we don't just learn things, we're transformed. And when you can remove the things that distract from that transformation, and you can have students encounter the Word in a fresh way, they leave not just well-informed, but they leave different people. So you can see that everything is built around this new Bible that we created, which has been really a process that has been germinating for almost 20 years now. And uh, it is a paradigm shift. Uh, again, a shift in the Bible, modern Bible's form and in the practices. So I'm going to take a few minutes to introduce you to Immerse, since everything, again, is, is built um, around that. You might be interested to know that it did not begin as a product idea. Um, it really began with a group of uh, somewhat disgruntled and frustrated publishers, Bible publishers, that came together. And all of us, to some degree, were having a bit of a crisis of conscience about what we were doing with the Bible. In my personal situation, I was the Bible publisher uh, for Zondervan. Uh, we were a big publisher, the largest in the world. We were selling seven million Bibles every single year. And I began, though, having a question about the Bibles that we were putting out. And the question that I couldn't shake was, is this what the Spirit had in mind when gifting us with, uh, with the Scriptures? And so we, uh, we began to do uh, some research and, um, and what we discovered was this, that uh, the tale of the Bible, or we might call it the state of the Bible, is really um, two trend lines going in the opposite direction. So Bible access is skyrocketing. I won't give you all the data except to say that the average household in North America owns 4.5 Bibles. Oops, and that number is climbing. Um, we sell in North America every year still 25 million Bibles. The reading trend is a very different story. And again, I don't have time to get into all of that with you. But I can tell you that since about the middle of 19, about 1985 or so, we've been losing about an average of 700 Bible readers a day. During the pandemic, we lost 25 million regular Bible readers, which was really different than like 9-11. There was, there was a, a, a totally different effect. It, Bible reading skyrocketed. And so um, my team at Zondervan, along with some others, began to do some research. And after a period of time, we uh, 
came, went public with a point of view. We felt like after talking to scholars, pastors, Christian thought leaders, uh, that we had something of a handle about the, the barriers that are keeping people from engaging scripture. And I want to just go through them quickly. The first one is this. We read the Bible in fragments. Verse of the day emails, a chapter or two here and there. Um, I remember meeting with Philip Yancey, who was on my tour, who's now on our board of advisors. And he said to me at one point, Paul, you're soft-pedaling the fragment piece. He said, here's the reality. The modern church created an entire culture around Bible McNuggets and assumed they were nutritious. We created an entire culture around Bible McNuggets. Um, as we began to work through this, um, we came to understand that this didn't happen in a vacuum. And so very quickly, let me give you a history of the modern Bible. These next two people who I'm going to show, uh, we might call the fathers of the modern Bible. This is Stephen Langton. He was the Archbishop of Canterbury in the 13th century, prolific writer of commentaries, and was frustrated that people couldn't track his commentaries with the text. He became, in essence, the father of chapter divisions in, in the Bible. But the massive change that happened in the Bible's text did not happen until the 16th century, when Robert Estienne, a French classical scholar, had the bright idea that what we needed for the Bible was a concordance, and immediately he knew that we would need many more markers. And he single-handedly introduced the work to the world, verse numbers. It's a fascinating story that we don't have time to get into. He was a Huguenot, so they were being persecuted, and he was on the run. Much of his work was done on horseback. But what these two men did, by the way, both good-hearted men, we're not here to villainize them, but what they did was completely change the nature of the Bible, and they changed it in multiple ways. They changed our perspective on what the Bible is and what we're supposed to do with it. Um, they changed the way that we talk about the Bible. When was the last time you had a conversation with somebody about something theological? What did you do? You said 1 John 1.9 says this. That wasn't available 500 years ago. It introduced proof texting to the world of the Bible. It introduced systematic theology as we know it versus narrative theology, and I could go on and on. Um, what, what's kind of been fascinating about that is that all of this happened, especially with SDN in his, his modern invention of verse numbers, happened you know, as a perfect storm when the printing press was being you know, founded and started, the movable type. And so the first Bibles then that the public actually got to see, they didn't look like a clean text, they looked like this, right? This was the Bible that the world was introduced to. And, you know, even in its early days, and this always fascinated me, every verse is treated as a separate paragraph. And so we kind of get the idea that these are all standalone aphorisms and that we can, we can use them that way. I could speak so much more. 
Um, the second um, problem is that we read the Bible without historical context. And I'm just going to you know, breeze through that very quickly. But this is also due to the reformatting of the modern Bible. When verses become the primary unit of engagement versus the original, which was what? Whole books. When verses become the primary unit of engagement, historical context for the most part goes out the window. And so for most people in churches, and most people in your classroom, and everybody that we know, um, the Bible is a bag of beads without a string. And then finally, this was the third barrier, we read the Bible in isolation. So what was originally designed as a communal transformation experience has become a solo sport. And it's kind of fascinating now in some archaeological studies as they uncover new synagogues, what they discover is that many of them were built in the round. And the concept behind that was there was a platform in the middle where someone would do extensive readings of scripture and then there were conversations that happened from with that with uh, from around the room. So um, anyhow, that was that was the impetus for our team. And again, all of this started, uh, you know, percolating in our hearts and minds about 20 years ago to create a MERS. And you can see that it, it does come in in six volumes. I don't have time to uh, to go. Uh, through all of that, but the six volumes are important. Um, it, it helps people just by using it to realize that the Bible is not just black ink on white paper, but when the Spirit gave us the gift, He gave it to us in multiple genres, uh, literary genres, and you see that uh, through this. We remove chapters and verses, we replace them with natural literary divisions, we put the books in a better historical order, and people are finding this fascinating. You know, for example, in the New Testament, you know, Paul's letters in our current Bible are longest to shortest. That was a very unfortunate, um, and, and it, of course, it was forced by the printing press. There had to be a standardized system. There had actually been 47 different orders before before the printing press, and so we've kind of taken Paul's letters and put them back in better historical order. And I could go on and on. And so um, the, 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 the last thing I'm going to say is that we didn't just change the hardware. We also changed the software. And we pivoted from a Bible study model to a book, book club model. And I think you'll see some of that in, in the presentation um, ahead of us. So I'm going to introduce and invite uh, my co-producers. To, uh, to introduce you to the Immerse site and, um, and the system that we have built around Immerse. How's everybody doing? Hey. I still get fascinated every time I see Paul's presentation on that. Um, can I actually have that in my class? You may have whatever you'd like. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to start off um, with giving us just a, an understanding of how our work together produced what we now have as a learning system. But I'm going to just show you the flexibility of our lesson plans. Um, one, I'll just say this up front. We didn't want to produce a curriculum because we're teachers and we don't like curriculums. And 
do you like a curriculum that's not, we don't want to throw you under the bus, but we're, I think most teachers are in that same boat. Um, but we do like good content and good ideas. So, uh, Jordan, if you could take us to a lesson. Um, once you come into here, we do want people to sign up. So there is a firewall to get through. And all you got to do is just give us your information. And then, then you can have everything for free. Um, so we just jumped to, let's go to, which, which one did I have? So we went up to lesson plans. If you go down to beginnings. Beginnings. Yep. And you can just hit any of these. So we have an eight-week and a 16-week plan, 18-week semesters. Uh, so the 16-week fits pretty precisely in there, or you can do it even shorter. Uh, my colleague Ben does that as an eight-week in the middle of the semester. But if you just click on one of these, um, it'll bring you to an actual lesson plan. And then this is the layout. Um, Immerse has created these fantastic videos that just give an introduction to each book. And that can be used uh, at the right at the beginning of reading it. Um, and then each day has certain readings that are done to get you through that week, and you can go through those. We have that in <coughs> page numbers, but you can also use an audio Bible that's provided through the same website. And we have two audio Bibles. Our second audio Bible, is it on this one or is that on the... Uh, it's not on this one. We have a second audio Bible. Yeah. Um, oh, down which, here. oh, there it is. Yeah. Okay, yep, street lights. So a friend of mine that I went to school with said, hey, I want biblical literacy for the urban setting, so he decided to create an audio Bible with uh, hip-hop tracks behind it so that youth could engage um, with the Bible from, from that perspective. And he has partnered with Immerse, our Institute for Bible Reading and given us access to his um, reading Bible or um, audio Bible. And so that has a, a track behind it, if you like that. Uh, our students probably would encourage be really encouraged by some country music behind theirs. <laughs> so it may not fit your genre. Right, John? <laughs> but um, nonetheless, it's a great resource, exact same translation that we use as well, and so there's a lot of uh, alignment there. Um, and then a few of the other things, we all love the Bible Project, we use it extensively. So what we've done is just deposit a few of the Bible Project videos that, co that are very aligned with whatever this week is right here for you to use. Now, they're not the only ones. There's typically a lot more, but these, these two are the best that we typically use. So you have it right there to use. Um, and then, uh, if, like, we can jump down to another two. Uh, on each day, it not only gives you the page numbers to read in the volumes that you would have. I mean, you have Messiah. I'm looking at Beginnings, which is a different uh, volume, which is the Pentateuch. It'll tell you which pages to read. Um, and then we just have, you know, the issues to go through. The first murder, violence enters the world. And then we look at how to compare and contrast ancient Near Eastern flood stories when you get to the Noah episode, um, looking at ziggurats with the Babel episode, which uh, students are always surprised that that's only nine verses, but it's still very important. Um, and then, so there's so always a discussion prompt. And with these, uh, my colleague will introduce us to resources that will, that will also align you with, like, okay, what do I do with this discussion prompt? What activity or assessment can I attach to that? We have those as well. But the basic layout for the startup is your, is this right here. It just gives you in a blocks each thing that you can use. And again, it's completely and utterly flexible. I like to use the term a la carte. You go in, you can pick just to talk about this that day or ask questions about that. You can use this or not use it. You can use the audio Bible or not use it. Then there's the Bible Project videos. Um, other times there will be direct resources that you can take that will lead you to like an assignment or an assessment that works well that day. All of that's a la carte. Use it all, use none of it, use half of it. It's up to you and that's the, that's the design. I think part of the trouble is figuring out who, who's going to use this. 
Um, so, I mean, the three of us, like, we've had pretty extensive Bible education, and we felt like we don't really maybe even need the, oh, here's the issues coming up, here's some discussions you can use, and so forth. But not every school is like that. Sometimes you have teachers that are typically can be an English history teacher, and they're saying, now you got to teach the Bible to juniors and seniors. <clears throat> they're going to ask you lots of questions. And so we thought, what can we at least add on here that would give some teachers who maybe feel like they're in a pinch something to work with and to start from? So again, this isn't prescribing to you guys how it should be done. It's offering some starting points if they're helpful. Yeah. All right. So hi, everybody. My name's Ben, and I love the Old Testament. I'll just start with that. So Gary Schmidt doing some First Kings this morning. Woo! Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. Samuel and Kings especially, just the whole story of David onward. The more that I read it, the more I'm like, this is the Godfather meets Lord of the Rings meets Game of Thrones meets The Hunger Games meets pretty much every conceivable fantasy epic action-based derivative today in modern culture. I could go on about that, but I, I share that just to, to share my enthusiasm for actually opening up and reading through narratives of the Bible, understanding that almost half of the Bible is a narrative base. And I know for me, a big shift as I uh, taught Bible class over the years and then kind of got um, aware of Immerse and tried that out in class was like, wow, Bible class can be more than just, uh, as Paul put it, studying the Bible, uh, worksheets, um, what's the answer to this question, and how do I apply this little factoid to my life, but just getting swept up in a story, and then not having to stress right away for some students if they're like, I don't know how to make this weird account and judges apply instantly to my life, just, that's okay, let's keep reading. And when you keep reading and understand, like Gary Schmidt put so well this morning, that we're a part of a bigger story in which there is hope and amazement and God at work, that's, that's where the magic happens, I think, for me as a, as a teacher with students. So, like these guys have been sharing, we don't want to prescribe something that should be book club modeled, um, discussion-based, <clears throat> reflective journaling. Um, what, am I, what am I reading? What am I wondering? What am I amazed by as a reader? But we do have, if you look at the resources here, you can see activities, assessments and prep materials and I think the biggest question that I've gotten just from kind of casual conversation even with a couple of you um, other people that have emailed us is how do I assess this what do I what do I use for a test or, or whatever um, and what are some of the best sort of practices to go along with that so Jordan um, if you have yeah the activities here you've got um, yep there you go You've got, for me, right up at the top here, one of my, I, I think, go-to methods, just in terms of every couple of weeks I have for students um, record not only certain questions that I ask them, because I still think it's important as a teacher, hey, when you read Romans, for instance, you should probably understand these key things Paul is saying, but beyond that, what else are you noticing? What sort of repeated words, ideas, concepts, what in your imagination or what in um, your, your own reading are you seeing stand out? And it's always fun as a teacher then to be like, wow, I've read this you know, many, many times and I never quite noticed this motif or this image that you latched onto. So that's been a lot of fun to engage in. Um, Storying and retelling. Um, what did you like about this story? What did you not like about this story? 
even um, that kind of language here, giving students freedom to be like, this bothered me, or this made me frustrated, or angry, or upset. Uh, I think, to, you know, we talk a lot about head-to-heart sort of movement in, in, in Bible class and owning your faith, and if something emotionally gets you, that's a good thing. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be or shouldn't be just purely intellectual, I, I can interpret this or understand this, but this moved me, and as I retell this story, I'm, I'm cognizant of that. So I won't go through all of these because that would take up too much time, and I'm hoping that you have some questions to ask us later, but a couple others that I'll point out. Um, acting out the story, that's been a lot of fun. So certainly with um, uh, Paul's letters recently, or, or the book of Acts, we're in Paul's letters right now too. But um, based on the, the places that Paul goes on his second missionary journey just the other day, um, students were assigned either Philippi or Thessalonica or Corinth or Athens. And as a test of sort of reading comprehension, but also to sort of get into the, the midst of that particular situation in the story, they acted out. I like to sing quite a bit. I don't know if these guys do that quite as much in their classes, but it, having song that goes along with what we're reading and, and um, connecting things that way. So, um, yeah, go, go to maybe assessments, and then we'll, we'll move on after that. Yeah. So talked a little bit about journaling already. That, for me, is a big piece. But here is group journaling as well. And one of the fun things in my New Testament class that I've been experimenting with is not just you write to me as a teacher, what have I learned, what have I caught from this, but having students actually read each other's reflections collaboratively, comment on them, and, and same sort of thing, where as a book club kind of model, you taught me something that I wouldn't have understood otherwise, or I have something that I could offer you, and there's a mutual sort of learning that takes place. There's lots of different words for this ones, maybe that you've used in your context, Harkness, Spiderweb, Socratic Seminar, there's some you know, differences between those, um, you know, minutia sort of things. But the gist of that one is getting students just intentionally talking about a text that they've read. And again, whether it's in journaling or whether it's in official kind of discussion aloud, certain prompts in place I might have as a teacher, but otherwise letting students just sort of run the discussion, and especially in New Testament, connect things back to the Old Testament. That's been a fun thing for me, just teaching both of those classes now. Where have you, now that we've read through whole books of the Old Testament, noticed this sort of thing come up again? And that's, that's been a lot of fun um, specifically, too. All right. So one yeah. Of the, the yeah, yeah, go, go. The yeah. Harkness one, uh, we, in our class, we just finished a Socratic seminar. They read through Corinthians, and we just gave them a scenario of a current church that has similar problems to the Corinthians, and they had to solve that problem as a class mm -hmm. using Paul after reading him and understanding him. And, um, Watching them solve real church problems and then tell them, hey, one day this is what you're actually going to do when you, and your mom and dad are going to these meetings often. So they were very, and they took it really seriously, and it's always gone really well. Um, that's another variation of that as well. Yeah. yeah. I, our goal with this too is, I mean, just the three of us can only come up with so much stuff when it comes to activities and assessments. I'm sure for you guys, you're doing other things we haven't even thought of that are engaging this at the same level, higher level, whatever else. So one of our long-term goals here too is to, whatever teachers are involved in this, to collect what you're doing, and if you're okay with it, make it available to other teachers to draw on. So that, again, across the U.S. and the world, we see what everybody's doing, and we can bring that into the classroom with a wealth of different resources. I'll so, quick add, yeah, one, one quick example of this one too, creative project-wise. Um, so... I could either give students more of a traditional test or quiz on First and Second Samuel, 
Or one of my favorites that I've done with them is I have them make a campaign video actually. So if you actually read all the way through 2 Samuel, David gets opposed not once, not twice, but three times. There are other candidates for the throne, and all of Israel, except for Judah, his home tribe, picks the other guy, Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, Absalom, his own son, Sheba, this guy from Benjamin, who's like, follow me back to the glory days of the house of Saul, and everybody abandons him. And so that forces them as a reader of scripture to be like, why did so many people dislike David when, if you read it in just an isolation, bits and pieces, and you focus on, he's a man after God's own heart, why would people hate him? You get the sense that, well, even the writers of Scripture as human beings have a storytelling kind of perspective. They want us to root for David. They want us to sort of be on David's side looking back on these events. But if you read carefully, too, you start to see, okay, David was far from perfect, and, and that starts well before Bathsheba, that sort of well-known incident already. So, yeah, in terms of projects rather than just, hey, what's the content that you've learned here? That's um, a fun example of the creative project section that I've enjoyed. Oh, this is, we've got one more here, too. Yeah, Sorry. More yep, yep this, is, this is my piece, and I'm going to turn it over to Jordan. This is uh, essentially just, uh, like Jordan was saying earlier, for those of us who have had the ability to, to study Bible, to have degrees and that kind of thing, um, offering up, at least in our experience, which we're always hoping to learn more, like Jordan said, from others. But in our experience, these are, are books, articles, references, sources, for sort of the non-specialist, I guess, um, who's maybe got a Bible class they need to teach, maybe doesn't have the, um, the, the the training or the advanced degree, but is more of a lay kind of practitioner. Hey, try this out. Take a look at this. You're reading this part of the, the Old Testament or the New Testament. There's some stuff here that we found helpful, at least, that hopefully will be um, good to do for further reading. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. So... If you guys are interested in being a part of this, um, we've got a QR code. I've, I apologize, we had some different things about what we we're gonna link this to. I meant to have handouts for you guys, but if you have your phones, um, you guys can scan this. It will take you to, to basically sign up um, to be able to view all the rest of the stuff on the website. Right now you can view week one, but if you wanna view the other weeks, um, it asks you to sign up. It's completely free, so we have no interest in charging anything. We're not trying to make money off your information, so it's not going to be sold or passed out or anything like that either. Um, but it also, what it does is it allows us to know who's interested, how can we connect with you, um, and so we'd love to even be able to follow up with you guys with just a few more questions like in the next week. So that's the goal is connection, not anything else behind that. So this isn't some sort of shady sign-up deal, but if you want to be connected, on, it should take you to the website where you can uh, plug in some info so that we can get connected with you guys. Is it working? No. For me, it's not. All right. Yeah. All right. Other people, it's working. Yeah. And if need be, yeah, you can take, take a picture or... There it is. We can leave that up later. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're kind of at the point where if you guys have questions for any, any of us or about Immerse or anything that Paul had talked about or whatnot, we're ha happy to take questions, take feedback, and anything about that. And then I want to go back to like my last slide. 
when when we're wrapping up. Yeah, too. sure. Okay. Yeah. Good. Can you just say what version it is and what reading level? Yes. It? Yeah. Um, it's the New Living Translation. New Living Translation. Of our publisher, which I think is on the cover, is Tyndale House Publisher. Um, the New Living Translation um, we chose because it is it, it's at the lowest reading grade level of all the like major translations. So you know the NIV, which I was the publisher of for a decade, is at about an 8.6 grade reading level. Um, the King James version is like a PhD, you know, uh, you know, your whatever year in school. Um, the NLT is is written at a um, at a sixth grade level. In fact, the the editorial target in terms of language and so forth is the same as USA Today. And so it's a very good translation. International team of translators. And I think you guys would say too that kids love it. And um, our, our purpose is not to veil the truth, but to, to get it, drag it out into the light. Yeah, um, I found that one of the, and maybe we've all had this as Bible teachers, like I, I found that one of the biggest barriers to helping kids read the text for themselves is the fact that they have to get graded on something. And I find that for a lot of them, well, maybe not a lot, for at least a considerable handful of them, the fact that they're getting graded on this makes it all the more tricky. So I guess how does Immerse kind of help teachers, help students to read in an authentic way, but at the same time hold them, hold them accountable to like, you, like, I guess how do you grade students on their ability to read the Bible? I'll yeah, like, yeah like, like, how do you assess that? I'll pop, and I think each of us will have a nice short answer. Um, that's the biggest question I had, too, because I, I knew if I sent them home to give them an assignment, they'll read it at home. Maybe 20% will come back having read it. And the, then you lose the class, because the, the goal is to discuss it, ultimately. Um, so I scrapped half of my lessons and just took up that Bible reading in class. So that's the first answer. Like, Let's just do it together right now in front of everybody. And depending on your setting, you can leave them out outside of the class, do it in class, out loud. Um, one way I didn't think was going to work that Jordan tried out and it did work was having them rewrite their desks in front of each other, 20 students reading together at the same time. Like out loud? Out loud. You think it won't work, but then it does. It's a little noisy, but yeah. They oh, can, like, so like at the same time? At yeah. the same time. So okay. if you have seven groups, seven people reading, uh, the three others listening, there's 28 students. Um, it gets noisy, but it doesn't, they can still do it, they can still process. Um, I send them outside of my class and do like learning spaces outside as well. And sometimes I have to bring them back in because they'll be a little naughty and, you know, not do it. But most of the time they're doing it. Um, and so I just said class time is now reading time. And then the assessment is uh, every week or every couple weeks we're going to stop and I have them circle and underline a question and something they're fascinated by every day, every day of reading. And then we come back in and they have to write it up on the wall. And one of the things we learned was that writing vertically is actually more cognitively capturing than writing horizontally. So we have to put it up on the wall instead of writing it like this. For some reason, that just makes it lock in more. 
Um, and math, that's a math professor that figured that out. Math problems up on the wall stick better. Chris is on the, on the desk. Um, and it translates for us as well. So uh, assessment-wise, they're constantly doing that. And then there's a participation grade where we might have like a little quiz that we pull at the end on them to see what they do. I mean, some of that stuff's here and there, but every other week or week we do a reading reflection. Where we say, okay, based on t this week's reading, what did you circle and underline? Pick three or four of your circles and underlines and talk to me about them. What stood out to you? What questions did you have? Um, and we'll add a Bible project video in there that might answer that, help you watch the video, respond to it. Um, so we're reflecting and doing a reading report. One of the things I'll say, it's dangerous. I talk to them about it. I say, I'm going to let you guys self-report. This is the Bible. If you want to lie to me about reading the Bible, you know, go ahead. <laughs> But I let them self-report. The best part, though, is that I'm doing it with them. I'm walking around, I'm sitting, I'm reading with them. I go to this group, read a page, this group, read a page. So we're all doing it together throughout the week. And then when it comes to typing something up that I can actually grade, I've been with them the whole time. And it's most of it's in class. And that's where you have to kill half your curriculum. Not kill, but you replace. Yeah. You just read. Yeah, um, I, I talked a little bit about journaling already. I guess for me... Um, that and, and uh, what you call it, Harkness discussion, spider web discussion, some variation of that. If they're being asked to journal at length, and if they're being asked to discuss at length with text references and building off each other's comments, I feel like you find out pretty quickly as a teacher, did they read this if I assigned it outside of class? Did they or did they not? And if it's in class, like Nathan is saying, a lot of um, the, the in-class reading, do I need to follow up individually with them as a teacher to be like, you read this, but did you really understand it? Um, so for me, I'll still do like often end of unit, end of book kind of quizzes that are more factual or not factual, content specific based. And even in my journaling um, requirements, I've got always like three big questions for each week of reading. Um, and part of that too was just, you know, I imagine you've maybe gotten some parent emails over the years and hey, Make sure that you're mentoring my, my children in the Word. Make sure that you're not just letting them kind of interpret however they want and have a free-for-all when it comes to the Bible. Like, well, no, that's never my intention, but just to balance the, again, when you read Romans or when you read 1 Kings, you should have these sort of things that you all can answer. But then for you individually, what's speaking to you? And yeah, if there's at length journaling opportunity, discussion opportunity, usually I can tell as a teacher, assessing-wise, yeah, you've... You've spent time not only thinking about this, but, um, yeah, investing yourself in this. I think even with that, like, I've been watching my son learn how to play t-ball and soccer, which is hilarious. He's five years old. And so he's going to get up there, and we're going to say, like, you've got to hold the bat kind of like this. And he's, like, you know, holding it weird, whatever else. He's, he's got to try to learn how to do it. And you're directing, you're guiding, and, of course, you're saying, here's how you do it but it probably is going to take him 50 times at minimum to even begin to hold the bat right. Then he's got to learn to swing it right and everything else. So some of this is, is asking the students, like, go, yeah, go out there and interpret the Bible. Now we're going to come with you and say, is that a good question to ask? Is that really what the text is saying? But also giving them the freedom to go out and try instead of just saying, here's a sheet with the handout, the 10 right ways to interpret the Bible, and if you don't get this right, you failed. Because then that's a, I, I don't know how that's teaching them in the face so much as it is just prescribing right answers and just saying, 
do this, and every Bible passage can be done the same way. We're letting them get out and try, and we're coming alongside with them and teaching and guiding. When they read in class, um, sometimes we, I would start off reading for 20 minutes. We come back, we discuss, and ask what they saw. Sometimes I'd start off teaching for 20 minutes, um, and more traditional, like give a lecture on the background of the text or some difficult things you're going to encounter. And then say, now go off and read and come back and tell me what you find and write these things down. I still give pop quizzes. I would still give tests and things like that and say, at baseline, you've got to, we've learned these things in class. You've got to know these things. But some of the grading that's the hardest for me is the journaling, the reflections, and so forth. But those are also some of the most valuable things to me. Because I also don't want them to just walk out with information. I want them to be different people. Because if they walk out knowing a lot of the facts, but nothing else, I get really worried. I, I basically am helping graduate a bunch of Pharisees, to be honest. Like, that's one of my greatest fears. And so I grade lighter on those things, but I still grade it. And I grade heavier on the reflective pieces, personally. Because I'm saying I really want you to dive in, but each of you are going to dive in in very different places. And I don't have some black and white baseline for that. Um, but they start to know that's what I care about. Um, I'll pop quiz them sometimes after they read because I'm also trying to fight against the whole check off the box I read. Because they, if they go out, you know, they're like, speed read, Mr. Barrett, we're done. How did you do that in eight minutes? You know? Well, we read. Yeah, but like, did, did you read? Here's a quiz. You know? <laughs> and like that, okay, fine. Guys, like, Again, here's what we're after in this class is a certain kind of reading and approach to scripture because that approach itself, too, is something that almost has to be taught. Not just the content, but like, how do you, what do you bring to the word when you open it and so forth? So there's have, lots of ways we're trying to do this, but yeah. it is hard. I was, I was just going to add to that by saying when, when Jordan was talking about different levels, different, you know, um, entry points for different students that maybe take it to a deeper level than others or in a different way than others do. For me, the biggest thing assessment-wise, too, at the end of the day, with this sort of format and approach, is do they understand the Gospel of Luke, like the, 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 the book itself, right? The story, the structure, the plot line, the bigger themes. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I wish that, well, we all could take as deep of a dive into this parable that this particular kid wrote about and spend just a week on that, but I'd rather have them have the freedom to explore certain rabbit trails, if you will, or certain you know subplots or whatever you might want to call it. Uh, but the Bible Project, what I love about their videos and what they do so well is just the sense of story and the sense of literature. When you read Revelation, here's how apocalyptic literature works. Or when you read Amos, here's how prophetic literature operates. And here is, you know, they've got a fantastic series, for instance, on... Uh, Luke and Acts, which in the Messiah format, if you page through that at all, your copy that you're looking at, those are back-to-back to start Messiah because Acts is a sequel to Luke. And it was surprising to me how many students were like, oh, I didn't realize Acts was a sequel to Luke because when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts, you, you divide that sense of continuity. Yeah. But what the Bible Project guys do and what just in tandem works so well with Messiah is they've got like an eight-episode arc beginning of Luke to the end of Acts, and all of these visual motifs and recurring plot lines throughout. And so, if I can have them leave, you know, and through regular kind of assessment even too, like with Google Forms every other week, 
narrate for me the story of the whole Bible up to this book now. Narrate for me the story of the whole Bible up to this book now. Can you connect those dots? Can you see that bigger picture? Um, that, for me, assessment-wise, makes a huge difference, too. I'll add one more thing. The, um, Exodus is a really hard book to get through, that second half. It's a lot of laws, the description of the tabernacle and then the uh, priestly garments. And they make, it, they make you read through it twice. Um, <laughs> no, the authors do it twice. And the students are like, this is a repeat of the first one. Yeah. So what I do is I just have them uh, design in Minecraft the, uh, the tabernacle. But they have to pay attention, slow reading through both episodes, what's actually in there, what it looks like, yeah. and they can create it on their Minecraft mobile. It teaches them close reading of scripture, and it though. It slows yeah. them down. It teaches them yeah. close reading instead of just like, Ugh. And then um, yeah. if they don't want to do that, then they can do a priestly garment. They can design the priestly garments. Um, but they to, all of it is attention to detail and slow reading skills. Um, so even though it gets boring and draft down, and you know, like, Ugh, this is killing us, Mr. Smith. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, but you're going to create this because of it. And then they usually lighten up and they're excited about the project, and, and I can assess that. Um, I this, this is, oh, yeah, Sorry. yeah, please you go. pointed at me. The fascinations and frustrations, I know fascinations. The frustrations part is that what are they frustrated with the Bible, or what are they frustrated in the application of the Bible? I think for me, more of the first, what yeah. were you frustrated about when you read this, but certainly if there's frustration with, I'm not sure how to apply this, that's a good teachable moment too. Kind of like yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give an example of this, and this is and why we think the immerse system is a win. So there was a young lady, uh, college student, this, this story came back to me, um, the leader of the group said she's probably not a Christian, but she's kind of like a pre-leaver. Um, but she was very interested in coming to the group to read, not to have somebody preach to her, but there, she said, I'd love to read the New Testament. Uh, about the second or third week, so they've read Luke and Acts and some of Paul's letters, she raises her hand and says, you know, this is all foreign to me. I've never read this before. And she says, I don't mean to be offensive, but I have to tell you, the Paul guy in the story, I'm not much of a fan. He seems a bit like a bully to me. But she kept reading, and of course she's reading Paul's letters in a better historical order. And at the end of, of the, you know, Paul's letters, she said, by the way, I, I liked him better at the end. Mm -hmm. He seemed to soften. So that was, I'm, you know, to answer your question, this gal actually had a problem with Paul, and uh, but we we just let them read. I think we're about done here, aren't we? Um, are we done at, yeah. at two? So yeah, here, here we'll we'll all be hanging around. Um, and um, pardon me. Yes, yes. So I have a set, a full set to give away to somebody. What what is today? Uh, so if you have a birthday in October, would you raise your hand? Anybody have a birthday in October? Heavens. Um, boy, that, I, I had this all figured out here. Um, My birthday's Okay, how, how, about, how about anybody have a birthday in November? November? This guy right over here? There he goes. So. Yeah. And, and, and hey, just, just so, so nobody, nobody leaves mad. Um, we, we would love you to spread the word. And so 
if you have, if you're maybe a teacher and you say, this isn't going to, I've got to have to talk to our administrator um, and you need an extra copy, please take an extra copy. Or if you want to give it to one of your teenagers or if you want it for anything, we brought a few extras and, uh, and you feel free to take, uh, take one of those with you. And we're always welcome for emails. We communicate with other people around the country who have questions and everything I have and we have, we're willing to share. Yeah, cool. and we, we are going to send out a questionnaire. This, you'll notice, oh, it doesn't, oh, by the way, this won the Book of the Year Award, or the, the Bible of the Year Award this year, which was, was very cool. Um, but um, if, if, you gave, if you gave us that information, it allows you, again, to go in and look at everything for free and to use it. Um, but it is a beta test, and we hope to launch the site itself in time, you know, for probably late spring of, uh, of next year, um, or, yeah, 2023. But we, we would like some feedback from you about what was helpful and what wasn't helpful, and if you'd be willing to do that. And again, the promise is that this will only be used to send out further announcements or to use you as a, as a sounding board. And part of the brilliance of this, I think, is because this is designed uh, for teachers by teachers. And I want to thank these guys for, for uh, their work on our team. By the way, Jim Voss is right over here as well. And Jim implemented this um, in his middle school setting. And that's kind of fascinating. And we do have now schools that are doing this um, that are saying, um, we're not just going to sh show kids the trailer and never show them the movie. And so starting with middle school, um, the promise to parents and to the school is by the time they graduate, they will have read the entire scriptures in community. And we think that that's, that, that's just a baseline. And um, so anyhow, Thanks guys, any, any closing? The, talk talk yeah. to these guys about the impact in their classes and... This is this is the thing that brings us joy is to hear hear uh, the students. Yeah. Thanks everybody. <laughs>